The Lord is good. Thank you so much. So we're going to continue with what we started uh, last Sunday. And we're talking about how to, what was the topic? What? Huh? Provoking heaven to anger. Okay. Provoking heaven to action. Hallelujah. And last Sunday I told you that we, we know some principles. We know the principle of sowing and reaping. Hallelujah. And we know Matthew 7, 7 tells us, ask and you shall receive. So we know the asking part. But there is another dimension in the spirit where it's beyond asking. And in that dimension, God asks you, what do you want? Hallelujah. Now, I say I want to live in the dimension of the spirit where instead of me going before God and asking him for my needs, I want God to ask me my needs. And that is possible. And I've shown you part of it in the Bible. That is possible. And I called some witnesses. I called Abraham. Hallelujah. And uh, I called the woman of Shunem. I called Noah. Hallelujah. And we showed you how through the action, we were them asking, God asked them. I talked about the woman of Shunem that saw the grace in the life of Elisha. And she entertained the grace. And Elisha said to Gehazi, what can we do for this woman? They called the woman, the woman said, I am fine. And Gehazi said, she does not have a child. And God gave her a child. Do you know it's possible to come to the realm of a spirit where you stop asking and heaven asks you? Amen? Heaven asks you, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Oh, I like that one. If God asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Yo. Now, I'm going to, that I call the voice of our action. I'm going to take two more witnesses and then we're going to carry on. Uh, Solomon. Solomon. Solomon was uh, the son of David that was born through Bathsheba after the first one was dead, uh, died because God was, 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 was punishing David for what he did. But now Bathsheba conceived and gave another son and the name was Solomon or Jedidiah for his small name, for those who love that. And the Bible says that Solomon grew up and was growing in the house of the Lord. And his brother took the throne. And the mother of Solomon went to King David and, and, and they have to rectify that. And, and Solomon finally was enthroned as king. But when Solomon was in front of as king, he has one agenda. David told him to pursue the agenda that he has left, meaning the construction of a temple. Amen? And Solomon was, his agenda was to construct the temple, and David, a man of war, has won all the wars, and Solomon in his lifetime almost didn't do any war because David has done all the wars. But, but, but you know, Solomon with his action, we almost say, peace came upon the kingdom. And this is one of the things that Solomon did in 2 Chronicles chapter number 1, verse 6 to 7. 
Second Chronicles chapter number one, verse six to seven. Bible says that Solomon had gone to the high places and offered sacrifice unto the Lord. He has given gift to God. And Solomon didn't present any request that day for himself. And then if you read 2 Chronicles chapter number 1, verse 6 to 7, the Bible says God came to Solomon. I want us to read it. 2 Chronicles chapter number 1, verse 2, verse 6 to 7. Let's read it on our Second Chronicles, chapter number one, verse six to seven. And then as it says, Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offering on it. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Ha! Ask, what shall I give you? Let's not even carry on and try to see what Solomon said. You see, God came to Solomon and said, This is a blank check. Write every amount. I'm big enough to supply. You see, if God can give you a check and say you write the amount, what are you going to write on? He said, ask me what you want. Why did God ask him that? Remember, Solomon had offered a thousand burnt offering. That action provoked God and God came down. Solomon was in the night. Solomon was sleeping. And God came and said to Solomon, My son, you have done well. How can I reward you? And I believe that we are moving to such a time. Listen, I'm not preaching this message to just tickle your ears. It's because I know we are moving into the time where God is about to move on behalf of his people so mightily. And I want to prepare you so that you may do the right thing. For God to ask you, what do, I want, what do you want me to do for you? Hallelujah. He said, what, what do you want? Huh. What do you want? I can't sit on my throne because of your action. What do you want? I have to do something about you. What do you want? Solomon has provoked God so much that God came down to have a chat with him. You see, sometimes we think crying before God is the only thing that there is to do because we have all become like Anna. So all we know is the Anna anointing. But there is another anointing. Hallelujah. There is another anointing. That anointing came through burnt offerings. He did an offering that provoked God. Hallelujah. Let's leave Solomon. You said, but all these people are in the Old Testament. Do we have somebody in the New Testament? Yes, we do. 
Acts chapter number 10, verse 1 to 4. Let's read it, Acts 10, 1 to 4. It's, it's amazing that, that, that the Bible is so clear on those things. But we fail to see them. They, they are there. And we can't draw the principle that God wants to teach us out of the story. Act 10, verse 1 to 4. I want to read. He said, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man, one who feared God with all his household. Who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the nine hour of that day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming and staying, saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is that, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and arm have come up for a memorial before God. Ha! Here is Cornelius, not a Jew. A man that feared God. And the Bible says, he, he devoted himself his time into devotion and prayer and being generous to the people of Israel. And an angel appeared to him. He never called an angel. You know, we like to deploy angels. He didn't deploy anyone. Do you understand that when you are when when you are so so poor in the spirit, you have to do some stuff? Jesus didn't need to deploy any angel. He became a living temp temple upon which angels were ascending and descending. We, we, we are learning this principle. Let's call my angel. Let's call which angel? Leave him. Because your, your doing will call them up. Yes. Your engagement in the kingdom will line up angels before you. That's why you know in the Bible, Paul and them never prayed to deploy angels. He is sleeping, angel come. They are in prison, angel come. Listen, angels were busy with them because they were right in the center of the will of God. Now the, the charismatic church is teaching us all this thing. Call up your angel, do this. It's because we are so broke in the spirit. A man that is full of the spirit is not worried about this thing because... Goodness and mercy. Ah, ah, goodness and mercy shall follow me. They shall hunt me down. I like, I like the real translation that says, goodness and mercy shall hunt me down. You know, when you go hunting, when you go hunting, the animals don't come and give themselves. They try to hide and you hunt them down. So the Bible says, goodness and mercy will hunt you down. Meaning if you try to hide from goodness, it will find you out. So, so the problem in the kingdom is the problem of all those teachings that are going around. I don't want to say things, but I have to say it because that's my mission. 
Look, we are going around. Cleanse your DNA. Cleanse your meme. Cleanse what? Cleanse what? I am sanctified by the blood. From my DNA to my toe, I'm sanctified by the Because we fail. When you fail, you look for stuff. Yes. When it's not working, we look for stuff. But there is only one way. The name of Jesus has been given. The Bible says, at the sound of the name of Jesus. Yeah, some of you will not be happy with me. But I have to tell you the truth. Because I didn't see any disciple doing what we are doing today. I didn't see them doing that. I didn't see them doing that. Because they, they understood that they were the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Look at Cornelius was minding his own business. The angel came. Angel came. Angel came. You see, one day we went to a restaurant. I went with Leon. And I, I didn't pray for something to follow me. We, we just went there to eat. And when we sat down, the waiter came and ran. And I went to look for her. You know me. I stood up, went there. I said, hey, what is going on? She said, when I came close to your table, there was something with you guys. And I couldn't come close to you. She was weeping. She said, are you a pastor? I said, that's not the point. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to teach you the right way. I want you to be Bible students, not theory, not, not, not nonsense students, Bible students, Bible scholars that knows what the scripture says. Thank you, my sister. You hear what I'm saying. Because people are leading you back to idolatry. Yes, I'm telling you, it's going slow, slow, but when you find yourself, you are worshiping cloth. We are here to tell you that we stayed in the undivided and undiluted word of God and we stand with the word of God. Hallelujah. So Cornelius, an angel came and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has become a memorial before God. Oh my God. Father, help us to set a memorial in heaven. Help us by our action toward you. We set a memorial before God. So I have finished with the voice of our action. Let me move on with the voice of our love. For God. The, your love for God has a voice. Hallelujah. Your love for God has a voice. And when you love God, God responds. I want us to read Psalm 91 verse 14. Psalm 91 verse 14. Psalm 91 verse 14. Oh, God, help us, help us, help us, help us. Okay. One, two, three. Because he has set his love upon me, what do I do? The Lord said, because he loves me, I will So what makes the deliverance possible was his love for God. How do you prove your love for God is when you deny yourself from the things that can be pleasing to you but not pleasing unto God. 
when you know that this is something that I like, but the Lord does not like it. So I step away from it. Abraham liked, loved Isaac. But when God asked for Isaac, Abraham put Isaac on the altar. The love for God was bigger than his love for Isaac. Although he loved Isaac, he decided between Isaac and God, I'd rather choose God. Because Isaac can go, but God can give another Isaac. You see, you need to choose your carefully who you love. Because your choice for God makes you owner of everything. You see, there was a story that I told you one time of a rich man that was on his deathbed. And the rich man came to his son, his only son, and he said, son, I want you to choose something in all my estate and all my inheritance. And the rest I will give you to my slave because my slave set his love on me. And the son didn't look after the father. So the son said to the father, I will tell you tomorrow. He went to sleep and he thought of the thing. And when he came in the morning, the father asked him, have you made your choice? He said, yes. He said, what do you choose so that I can give everything to the slave? He said, I choose the slave. Now, do you know why he chose a slave? Because in those days, a slave, whatever a slave owned is for the master. So he knew that if I can choose a slave, my father will give him everything and he comes back to me. If you can choose God, he said, all these things shall be added to you. The problem we have in the church is that we want the things, but we don't want God. He said, choose God. Ah. Choose who you want to serve. And it shall be added to you. Who do you choose between God and the business? Who do you choose between God and your own children? Who do you choose between God and your husband or wife? Who do you choose between God and your Boyfriend and your girlfriend. Who do you choose? It's quiet. But I can tell you the truth. We have made our choice without knowing it. Because wherever you spend your time, that's where your choice is. You are devoted to everything except God. And God is calling out to us this morning. Devote yourself to God. Choose God. Hallelujah. I like, I like plain teachings. Hallelujah. Choose God. I said choose God. Choose God. Cornelius chose God. And God chose him. You set your love on God and God will answer. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight also yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your... So when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. No, there is a catch in this one. Because the moment you delight yourself in the Lord, His desires will be your desires. So you will not have your own desires anymore. 
because you have delighted yourself in him. That's why I say, I'll give you a desire of your heart. And which heart is talking about? Her heart that has laid down everything for God. So it does not mean, delight yourself in the Lord, and I'll give you your house, and I'll give you your car. And that's not what he means. He said, if you delight yourself in the Lord, what God wants, that's what you will want. And that's what he will give you. Hallelujah. Amen. So delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you desires of your heart. That, that the voice of our love for God. To this morning, I want to just make a point to tell you people that because of things that are going on around us, our love for God has diminished. Some of you, you started on fire with God, but right now you are cold. You are exploring other avenues. You are not exploring God the way you used to anymore. Your love for God is going down and you have become the laughing stock of the devil. It's, you are like a puppet of the devil right now. But the devil knew you in your before. But now that he has cornered you, he's putting all those funny ideas in your mind. I want to make an call. If you are here and you know that you started on fire, but when we are going now, things are not going the way it is anymore because you are dropping the ball. I want you to stand up on your feet. Everybody that knows, ah, please, this is not a joke. This is serious. If you know in your heart that you are dropping the ball right now, I want you to stand on your feet and say to God, Father, I know I'm dropping the ball. I know how I started. But now what is happening to me even myself, I don't understand it anymore. I'm dropping this ball. And I'm praying your grace. I'm praying that you may help me. Pray that you may help me this one. I pray that you may help me. That, that your grace may be upon my life this morning. I'm praying, Lord. I want you to help me. Those who are in front, don't worry trying to pick them up. They'll stand up when they can. Don't worry. You may be seated. Leave them. Leave them. Leave them. When they can, they will stand up and go. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. The voice of our love for God. Say the voice of our love for God. We want a congregation that is on fire for God. We want people that are burning for God. We want people that are not compromising anymore. We want, we want this city to change for you. We want the city to change for you. You see what the Lord told me? I wasn't there sitting and I was praying. And the Lord said, you are doing it wrong. I said to the Lord, what am I doing wrong? He said, you are asking me to come and change the city, but I've placed you in the city. Change the city. How, how do I change the city? He said, I have given you the dunamis and the ability to do that. And you need to call me for grace so that you may do it. He said, you are busy calling me. God, change, change. He said, I have changed it already. Say, how? He said, when I brought you out of darkness into light, I have changed the city. Because the, the thing to change the city is inside of you. So, so if we come together as a body of Christ, something will change. I said, something will change. The problem is that we are praying, praying, praying for God to come and change something. God has given you the grace to change it. God has given you the grace to change it. There are many things that God has put inside of you. And you are neglecting it. And you have allowed the wrong thing to touch it. 
Listen, there are some people sitting here, I'm, sitting, I'm seeing you. You have a genuine gift, gift of healing, gift of prophecy, but you, see, you know what? You, do, you did it without knowledge. And because you did it without knowledge, people despised it. And I want to bring you to the place where we do it in the knowledge of God. Some of you here are very gifted. You don't even know that you are so gifted. And that's why the enemy is going after you. Because you know, if it can corrupt that seed, you will not be able to do anything. But I want you to be violent this morning. And say, not, not on my watch anymore. Not on my watch anymore. Not on my watch. Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. The voice of our intercession. The voice of our intercession. Do you understand that when you are interceding for people, God is moving on your behalf? Listen, intercession doesn't mean to pray necessarily for yourself. Intercession means to stand in the gap for somebody else. So when you are interceding for people, God busy looks after your business. You see, some of you are busy praying for your business, but the reason why you don't have breakthrough is because God wants you to switch your focus from your own business to somebody else's business. The voice of our intercession. In the book of, 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 of Job, chapter number 42, verse 10, the Bible says that Job was in trouble. And Job, his friend came and mocked him in a way. They told Job that what happened to you is your own mistake because you didn't follow what God says. And Job, knowing that in his spirit that he has followed the ways of the Lord, was frustrated with his, his friends. And at the end, he was so frustrated that he started to respond to a foolishness. And the Bible says, God came in and started to question Job. And he said to Job, why are you darkening my, my purpose in your life? Why are you attributing my work uh, to an evil work? And you know, the Bible says, and God said to Job, to the friend of Job, that you have not honored me the way Job has. And because of that, my friend Job, he said, my friend, Job will pray for you. But while Job was praying for them, Job was still broke. Job was still sick. Do you understand that when Job was praying for them, he was not restored? And God said to Job, disregard your pain. Disregard your condition and be a blessing to somebody else. And if you are a blessing to somebody else, I will shake heaven on your behalf. You see, the problem we are having is that the devil makes you focus on your problems. He does not tell you that when you take your eyes off and you start to be a blessing for somebody else, God takes care of your own problems. And the church does not understand that. We are praying for ourselves. We are doing this for ourselves. But God says, if you intercede for your people. Come on. And the Bible says, I want us to read. I want us to read in Job chapter number 42. I want us to read there. Oh, Father, help us. Job 42 from verse 10. Let's go quickly. I'll come to you now, my friend Frank. I'm coming to you. Let's read. Thank you, Jesus. Pick a bit, pick a bit your key. Pick it a bit, a bit, a bit. Yes. Let's minister together. Isn't it what the Lord said? Thank you. It's fine. Let's go from verse 9. Maybe I will find what I want to say. From verse 9. Let mount up. 
No, verse 8 then. I want to, I want to find what I'm looking for. Because of... Ah. Let's, let, let's read. One, verse 8. Let's read. Verse 10. Oh, no. Because... Don't hurt yourself with those names. Went and did as the Lord commanded them. For the Lord has accepted Job. Yes. And the Lord restored Job when he prayed for his friend. God wanted to restore Job, but he wanted to look for an opportunity. He want Job to give him something that will enable him to restore him. And he said, it's your intercession that will enable me to restore you. The Bible says, as soon as Job prayed for his friend, my God, as soon as he prayed for his friend, God restored him. Some of you are called to pray, but you have forsaken the altar of intercession. You have moved the altar to your own home and you are praying for your family, for your business, and you are losing it. And God wants you to move the altar of intercession back to the people. My God. My God. My God. God wants you to move back your altar of intercession from your own problem to God's challenges of the people. Some of you have trivialized the grace of the Lord upon you. You have taken it cheap. You don't know what God has for you. You are seeking God to open the doors while the doors will be open when you open somebody else's door. The door that stands closed before you, you need to stop trying to open it. Shift your eyes. Look for another door of somebody that is closed. Help that person open that door. The moment you kick that door open, you will swing open. We're coming to the altar of intercession. The voice of your intercession. I say the voice of your intercession. Do you know that sometimes you can worship and praise God on behalf of somebody else? Ah. You are not just raising an altar for yourself. You are raising an altar for other people. If we live the dimension of selfishness, we will enter the dimension of godness. I'm not even talking about godliness. I talk about godness. Where we enter the God kind of class. Because it's not about us anymore. For God so loved the world that he gave. We enter that dimension that we so love other people that we give ourselves. If you are here and you are a minister and you want the anointing, it's easy to get the anointing. You want the anointing, get the burden of other people. Yes. That's the avenue to get the anointing. The moment your focus is, Lord, your people are perishing. Give me grace to be a door of opportunity for your people. The anointing will come upon your life. 
Because God is seeking for such. I said, God is seeking for such. The secret of the anointing is that. The secret of restoration is that. Intercession. Intercession. I say intercession. When you talk about an intercessor, an intercessor is not a gossiper. An intercessor is not the one that, that go around to hear problem of people and, do, and speak about it. An intercessor is the one, he, he, becomes, he becomes a womb. He becomes a womb. He becomes, uh, yeah. an intercessor becomes a, a place. Help them. An intercessor becomes a, a womb where the, the problem of the people come in. And you know what? You nature the people, the problem of the people, and you give birth to the, the answer. You give birth to answer through a kernel of your mouth. So the meditation of your heart, the meditation of your heart become acceptable to God. Because you are not meditating upon yourself anymore. You are meditating upon the people of God. God is looking for people for such in the house. People that have a heart to stand in the gap for somebody else. God is looking for them. I say God is looking for them. God is looking for them. People that, that, that stop to play church. My God. My God. People that start to play church, stop to play church. God is looking, God is looking for whom to incubate something into this morning. The, the power of incubation is coming upon you. Listen, this young man at the camera, God is working right now in your womb, is, is, is placing things upon you. Hi! Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I said, I said to you again that this morning God is looking for people that can deny themselves, that can lay down themselves. I say, Lord, I want to be an altar of blessing. 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 You say, no, I don't have much. That's why I can't bless people. When you come to a place where you are able to take your food from your table to give it to somebody else, while you don't have food, you have entered the realm of understanding of what the blessing is about. When you come to that place, when you come to that place, you know, God taught me this. When I was writing metric, I was good in maths. I was teaching the people. Students were coming to me, and I was teaching them. We wrote metric. I failed. They passed. I was so hurt. I went before God. I said, what is that? What is that, Lord? You brought me the people. I taught them. They passed. I failed. I said, Lord, what is wrong? And the Lord says, I'm teaching you the sacrificial grace to be able to give what you know to people so that they can succeed. And you, you think you have failed, but you have not failed. You have been promoted to another realm of grace. And with, with humbleness, I can tell you that after I got metric, I got my degrees, and these people were still writing the same degrees that I got. Why? Because God allowed me to be a sign. Isaiah says, me and the children that God has given me, we have become a sign for these people. God is looking for whom this morning? I said, God is looking for whom this morning? God is looking for whom? He found the womb of Mary. He planted Jesus inside of a womb. If he can find a womb this morning, he will plant greatness in that womb. I must say Mary was a virgin. 
A virgin means she's not entangled with other stuff. A virgin means that she has not participated in the, in the lustful things of this world. A virgin means somebody that has separated himself or herself. And God said, this is the womb I will plant my child in. The womb I will plant Jesus Christ in. Now, can you have that womb for this morning? A womb that decides that, you know what, I know my pain. But I'll disconnect myself from my pain. And I'm going to avail myself and say, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Isaiah 6, here I am, Lord, send me. Do I have people in the house that can say, here I am, Lord, send me this morning. Send me this morning. People are being broken. People are hurt. People are dying. And we are sitting here playing church. And people are outside, they're dying. And we come every Sunday. We are happy about the anointing. What are we doing with the anointing that God has given us? Intercession is not just praying. Intercession is to do something for somebody else. This morning is your morning. It is your morning. It is your morning this morning. I say it is your morning this morning. I say the voice of intercession. Say the voice of intercession. Say the voice of intercession. Mm. At the cross... Jesus was still interceding. The Bible says that when he being nailed to the cross, he said, my father, my father, forgive them. Don't count this against them, for they don't know what we are doing. Even in the, in the place of pain, Jesus still looked for an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. While he was suffering, he decided to bless somebody. While he was being humiliated, he decided to lift somebody else up. While he was being trampled upon, he decided to pull somebody out of hell. What? The thieves next to him, one was mocking him, and one said, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus pulled him out of hell, right from the cross. What are we doing with what God has given us? I said, what are we doing with what God has given us? What are we doing with what God has given us? What are we doing with what God has given us? People are even ashamed to invite somebody else to church. You say there is grace in the ministry, but you don't want anyone to share in that grace. You come alone in your car and you whistle coming, hallelujah, praise God. But there is other forces that can take sinners to come to this place. And you come alone. What kind of people have we become? My, my wife talked about the people that, that were in the time of, of Elisha, people with leprosy. The four lepers that discover that the camp of the Philistine was empty. They went and took food for themselves. And they stopped and said, wait a minute, what are we doing? What are we doing? We need to go and warn other people so that they can come and enjoy the food we are enjoying. Now, those people have leprosy, but they understood that I must share what God has given me. So they ran to the city gate. They didn't even enter the city because they were leprous. They have leprosy. They shout to the people of God at the city gate. They say, we have found something. We have found something. Is your salvation a treasure? Have you found treasure in your salvation? That you can warn other people and say, I have found the way. I have found the way. 
Are you at a place where you can say to your people, I have found the way. I have found mercy. I have found goodness. I want to share goodness with you. It's not all about taking a mic and standing in the street. It's about one-on-one. It's about personal contact. It's about the people that God has brought around you in your workplace. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for the Holy Ghost this morning? I won't finish this message again today. But are you hungry for God? I say, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for the Holy Ghost? To turn you into an intercessor. The voice of our intercession. I say the voice of our intercession. The voice of our intercession. The voice of our intercession. The voice the voice of our the voice of our intercession. The voice that comes from the depths of a man's spirit. The man that groans for God. In the book of John chapter number 11, they say when Lazarus was dead, when Lazarus was dead, the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, 35, they say, and Jesus wept. That's the verse in the Bible. John 11, 35, Jesus wept. And that's the shortest version, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He did not weep for himself. He wept because of the unbelief of people. He was crying for the people. He knew that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So he was not crying because Lazarus was dead. He was crying because he has seen that it's so heartbreaking when people don't have faith. Jesus wept. When is the last time you wept for your generation? When is the last time you wept for the people around you? When is the last time you wept for the people that are going to hell? When is the last time that touched your heart? When is the last time you wept? Are you weeping because you are hurt? Or are you weeping because the people are being hurt? When is the last time you wept? When is the last time you went before God and knelt before the prison and said, Father, I'm not doing it for myself, but I'm doing it for the people around here. When is the last time? When is the last time your heart was moved because somebody else was in trouble? When was the last time? You can tell me God is blessing me. I don't care about God is blessing me with money. Even the ungodly get money. So we are not in here because of the money. Because even sinners get money. If you want money, you can get it somewhere else. Many people say, no, they came to ministry because of money. I say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? There's something that's not right up here. Do you think I will come to ministry for money? I know where the money is. And I'm qualified to get it. We are not in this for that. You are not sitting here because you want money. If that is your, your, your cry, it's too small cry for you to come to church. It's too small. It's too small. It's too small. The reason why you are here, because you want to be participator of God's agenda. You want to participate in the program of God here on earth. Let us make men in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule and have dominion on earth. Let us make men. 
You have come to a generation that is perishing. We drove two nights ago. On Friday, we drove to the second avenue and we saw the cars. And I said, the parking lot of churches are empty, but these parking lots are full. Lord, what are we doing? What are we doing? How have we set ourselves on fire for people not to see grace, but to see these places? A place burned down. They built it even bigger. And it's attracting more people than before. And people are going to the gate of hell without knowing that. And I'm trusting God this morning for you and for me to burn for our God. To set ourselves on fire so that people may see us burning. When last did you do that? And this morning God is coming back to us and said, my mercy, my mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. I have not rejected you. I am not judging you. I'm calling you. He said, I'm not judging you. God is not saying that so that we can go into guilt. God is saying this so that we can move from guilt to God. So that we can move from condemnation to freedom. If you love your child, you want him to rise higher than you did. So my heart for this ministry is not for you to get my grace, it's for you to get bigger grace than what I got. So that you can do things that I haven't done. Jesus says, you will do greater than what I have done. So we are not, I'm not in competition with you people. No ways. No ways. I want the grace. I say, Lord, give them more than what you have given me so that the city may be changed. Today God is calling upon you. Where are these people, Lord? Oh my God. Father, where are those who will set themselves before the altar of God and weep in the presence of God? Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because he wept before God day and night for his own people. They called him the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. I said the weeping Oh, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Jeremiah was called a weeping prophet. He had no any other voice anymore but his tears. Sat in the presence of God, crying for the people in captivity in Babylon. I said, oh God, have mercy. Have mercy, oh Lord, have mercy. For people are perishing. Have mercy. Mercy. This is your cry this morning. 